But I'm going to do now is I'm going to read the word of God for us. And so I'm going to ask you to stand here in a second. And just as a reminder, the reason we stand is out of respect and reverence for the word of God. We submit ourselves to the authority of scripture and we demonstrate that by standing out of respect. Just like you stand when a judge enters a courtroom, you're saying that that judge has the authority in the room. And so here as followers of Christ, we believe that the word of God is what has authority. And that is why we ask you to stand. So now, if you would, please join me in standing for the word of God. The reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. It is true, and it's given out of his love. You may be seated. Amen. Thanks, Colbert. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year. You made it. You made it not through uh, 2022 necessarily, but you made it through the holiday season, right? All the crazy schedule parties, all the um, new things, all the awkward family interactions, all the board games. Oh, my goodness, the board games. Would anyone like to do anything else besides one more board game at this point? I'm going to get in trouble with some of you right now. Just me. Okay. All right. Well, I'll pray for you guys, but that's, that's okay. Um, we got through all the stuff, all the holiday season, and we're back together. It's good to be with you and honored to get to dig into the word with you. I, I was asked to do this a few weeks ago, and I thought, well, we're going to look at one of my favorite um, passages of scripture in the Bible, because it's New Year's. So... I think, as, as Colbert said a minute ago, we're kind of attracted to that concept of, of starting over, right? Of a new day, uh, a day that starts everything over again. I remember uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are having a New Year's party, and one of the girls there says, Don't you just love New Year's? You can start all over, and everybody gets a second chance. Uh, that, we love that concept of getting to start over, but sometimes we don't feel it. We don't feel new. We don't feel like, uh, like a new creation. We, how many of you woke up this morning, you know, the, the, the birds were singing out. Well, it's a little bit cold for that, but, but you know, you woke up and in the window, the breeze comes. Oh, it's a brand new day. I feel brand new. Anybody? Kind of like the board games? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you didn't, did you, right? It's, it's, it's hard. We don't, we don't feel that way uh, often. In fact, another one of my favorite movies, see what I did uh, over break. One of my favorite movies, uh, Lord of the Rings, Bilbo uh, says to Gandalf, he says, I am old. Gandalf, I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel it in my heart of hearts, well-preserved indeed. Why, I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean. Like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something, Bilbo says, and that's right before he leaves. Like butter that's been scraped over too much bread. Some of you might be coming into the new year feeling a little bit more like that. Uh, than, than brand new. And, and our text today 
speaks into that reality. So what we just read together, that's what we're going to be mostly today and, and also a few pages later in chapter 11. But right there in chapter 5, Paul says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if we're in Christ, we are not seeking, not almost, not halfway. It says we are a new creation. Now some of us say, well, I, I've got stuff in my past weighing me down. I've got things that trouble me about things that I did or things that have been done to me or regrets that I have from the past. What does he say? The old has gone. Some of you say, well, presently I'm, I'm struggling with things. I don't feel new. I feel, you know, backed up in this area. I feel like things aren't lining up for me right now. I don't feel uh, ready to jump into the new year. What does he say? The new has come. He says the new has come. The old has gone. The new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So, get out there and make yourself feel new. Right? Is that what's implied? Get on your exercise bike. Lose 15 pounds. Start a new habit. Work harder. No. What does verse 18 say? All this is from God. Status conferred. That's why it doesn't come and go. That's why your status, even though you don't feel new, your status of new doesn't come and go. That's why it's objective, because it's not based on how well you're obeying or what you're struggling with. It's based on God and His faithfulness to you. That's why He can say, you are in Christ a new creation. Not go get it, go renew yourself, but you are a new creation. And then, you know, verse 16, boy, don't we live in a time where everyone, everywhere, all the time is regarded according to the flesh, right? That's our culture. How good looking someone is, how quick and witty they are, how quick and witty they are on Twitter, uh, how rich they are, what possessions they have. That's how we like to evaluate each other. And, and, and Paul just speaks right into that and says, therefore, because of Christ, we regard no one according to the flesh. No one according to those kinds of external things anymore. In his day, the major issue was sort of the, the nationality. We regard no one as, as Jews or, or Greeks. Um, and that just goes down through all the categories, how we can regard each other according to the flesh. And into that, Paul just says, in Christ, you are a new creation which supersedes all of those things. We regard each other not like that any longer. Christ creates us new, and that's our identity. That's our evaluation, in Christ or not. That's the evaluation, not all the other things. If you feel not as rich as the other people at work, if you feel not as put together uh, as other people are doing their families, if you feel like you don't have as nice of a car as, as your neighbor as they pull into the driveway with the big bow on their new car a few weeks ago for Christmas, like, oh boy, Right? If you don't feel up to the bar, up to the standard, Paul says we regard no one like that anymore. But in Christ, we're a new creation. And we live out of that identity. Uh, Les Miserables, favorite stories, favorite musicals. The main character of that, most of you know, is, is Jean Valjean. He's a, he's a criminal 
who, who steals something, just going to fast forward through like three hours of beautiful music, steals something, and he's given grace by the police in that moment. Uh, he goes to jail, gets out of jail, is, is given sort of a, a release from there, and he has this internal conflict of, am I going to own the identity of Jean Valjean, who I am, or 24601, my prisoner number? And he's got this big song, the song is literally called, Who Am I? Who am I? Jean Valjean, 24601, who am I going to be? How am I going to live? Am I going to continue to live as a thief and steal again as the prisoner, 24601, or am I going to walk in freedom and, and newness as Jean Valjean? And uh, just a great example and sort of vivid perspective on we live out of our identity. Who are we going to be? going to be the guy with the new car. We're going to be the person who has everything together. We're going to be the person that has all the ducks in the row. We're going to win the spiritual lottery this year and everything goes well. Or are we going to surrender that and in Christ just be a new creation through the work of the Holy Spirit? And that's what we're wearing. That's what we're evaluated as. So how can we, how can we be new if we don't feel like it? Well, literally the passage tells us if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Literally in the Greek, verse 17 goes like this. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. Right? We added some things to make it read well. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. That's what it is. And so the question really is, if we, if we want to be new, even if we don't feel new, is how are we, what does it mean to be, and how are we in Christ? Galatians helps us. Uh, I think I have this up here. The book of Galatians, uh, chapter 3. Um, it gives us a little insight into the phrase, in Christ. So it says this, in Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, Paul says this all over his letters, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Many times we look at that passage as, as what the Bible wants to say about unity and respect and equality. Absolutely, that's what it's about. But don't miss the beginning where he's saying, in Christ, the other distinctions, slave, free, male, female, Jew, Greek, all just take second place and lower than that to the status of if you are in Christ. Right? So all the other ways we identify ourselves come, come down the list now to if we're in Christ and if we're baptized into Christ, means they were identified with him, having left their old sinful lives and fully embracing the new life in Christ. To be in Christ means we've accepted his sacrifice on the cross as payment for our sins. We've said that payment on the cross, Jesus came physically, died for my sins. We ac- I accept that. that. I needed that sacrifice. I'm a sinner, and that is, that is my sacrifice. I'm hanging on to that. I'm not hanging on to how well I obeyed last year, how well I'm going to do this week, what, thing, what new leaves I'm going to turn over. Those are all potentially good things to think about. But I'm hanging on to what Christ has done for me. And I'm accepting that and receiving it as mine. Um, to be in Christ, then, after that means that God no longer sees our sins, sees our imperfections. He sees the righteousness of his own son. When Christ, when God looks at us, he literally sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. That's what God sees when he looks at us then at that point. That's what it means to be in Christ. So that's how we can be new. That's how we can be new, is to be in him. And as we said, 
when we talked about um, Jean Valjean, then we live out of that identity. We live out of that newness. Romans 6, 4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, Easter Sunday, raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So just as Christ was raised anew, we then walk in newness of life. What kind of life is that? What does it look like that we walk out of our new identity? Look at verse 19. That is, in Christ, there it is again, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So I think a big part of the ministry of reconciliation, uh, that, that word there, uh, uh, ministry of reconciliation, I think uh, uh, in other it translations it says it differently. That's just logos that you've heard from the book of John, the word, the word of reconciliation. He's given us the word of reconciliation, the ministry that testifies to that. And I think a lot of it starts with forgiveness, right? In Christ, God was uh, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. What does it look like to live in newness of life, to walk in our new identity? Well, how about we stop counting each other's trespasses against each other? Step one, right? How can we be a forgiving person? Doesn't mean we just whitewash everything. Oh, everything's fine. No, I wasn't hurt. My feelings aren't hurt. Everything's great. No, no, no. We need to confront people and own uh, how we feel. Hey, this hurt me. Hey, this was difficult for me when you said this. Hey, this was difficult for me when you did this. Absolutely. That's Christian maturity and reconciliation. But then... When we do that, we stop counting their trespasses against us. And, and I know that for many of us, you know, especially when we think on, um, you know, childhood trauma and whatnot, that some of that's a very long journey to not count trespasses against someone. I, I fully understand that in my own life, so I'm not trying to make light work of that. But the step one here of walking in newness of life is to, is to be on that road is to be on that journey of forgiveness. How can we do that? How can we work on ourselves, and how can we work to release folks from their debt against us, which is what God did for us? So I invite you to be on that road with me, the ministry of reconciliation. I'm not a big uh, New Year's resolution person. Uh, I, I don't make them. I, I try to make resolutions just because to be, you know, so smart aleck. Like sometime in March, like I'll make a resolution. But... Uh, I'm not a big New Year's resolution person, but what if we just had one today? What if we just had just one is that being an ambassador of reconciliation, being in the ministry of reconciliation this year? That's what he calls us to do. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Therefore, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What if that was was a big category for us in this year, that we would be reconcilers? Um, God has reconciled us to himself. Verse 21 that we say all the time around here, the big, huge verse in the Bible, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him, there's again, in Christ, in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ took our place, took all of our sin on him, and we get his righteousness, the great exchange. Everyone needs to be reconciled to God. Everyone needs to be a part of that conversation, a part of that exchange. And we bring that message to our families, to our workplace. We're ambassadors of that. And then we're ambassadors of reconciliation to each other. Like we saw in verse 19. Not counting our trespasses against each other. So who can you forgive? 
Who can you help bring together? We've had a few years in our culture here in the West of just being torn apart. Who can you bring together? How can we come together? Maybe we could be about that this year. Maybe that could be our resolution. What if we put on our sneakers and walked around our neighborhood, saw who we might meet, saw who we might get to know in our neighborhood? Uh, What if we stepped into difficult relationships at home or at work and seek to repair them, seek to reconcile with each other? Um, That's our ministry. That's the word God has given us always and especially this year. So again, not a New Year's resolution guy, but what if that was one? That we would be ambassadors of, of reconciliation headed into the new year, that we would step into those spaces with the message of the gospel, with the heart of bringing each other back together where we've been torn apart. Now, as we've said, some of us today don't, don't feel like a new creation. Maybe we don't, we don't feel like that, but maybe we feel a long ways off from that. Some of us think of our suffering, our circumstances that we find ourselves in as 2023 begins. We think of our hardships. Some of us uh, maybe even weary of, of ministry, doing life with people, of serving the church, of helping others. We're weary of those things maybe, some of us, as we move into this year and we've had a rough go. We don't feel new. We, like Bilbo, we feel like butter spread or not enough butter spread over too much bread. It's just so vivid. I'm, I'm a toast guy. I'm a peanut butter and jelly sandwich guy. And that's my life right now. I fully embrace too much bread, not enough butter, right? Some of us feel like that. Spread a little thin. Well, if you flip forward a couple of pages, I think we're going to have it on the screen. But in chapter 11, let's look at the life of Paul who tells us that he is and we can be a new creation. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 24. Paul says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. We just read that in Acts in, the, in our series last, last year, very, uh, in the end of November, I think it was. A night and day I was adrift at sea. Verse 26, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, Danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, the victorious Christian life, right? In danger in the country, in danger in the city, in danger with people, in danger by myself. All these things Paul is living in and working through. So being found in Christ is not, is not the end of suffering or the absence of suffering in your life. Actually, Paul commends himself by all those things he's gone through. Paul's commending himself to the people in the church in Corinth and to the ministry by showing what he's been through. These sufferings are actually... Uh, evidence of God at work, his perseverance. Paul is here. Paul is writing this letter. He's alive. He's with us through all those things. That's a testimony of the grace of God, that he's here. Five times, 30 lashes. Shipwrecked. The story we read right before Christmas, shipwrecked at sea, bitten by a snake. You remember this. Paul was, it was not going well for Paul, right? So, 
Paul doesn't have some idealistic idea about life and, and pie-in-the-sky philosophy about being a new creation. I am not here with a message of some sort of uh, self-help, you're a new creation, walk into the sunrise and the newness of you. Uh, that's not what I'm saying today, and it's not what the Word of God says to us. You could get that on TV this afternoon. Just change your attitude, man. It's a new year. New year, new you. Start over. What does the slide say? What does our picture say, Keith? New year, new you. New year, new. All this is from God, not you. So there's no pie in the sky that that you're supposed to fix all this and everything will be great for you. No, Paul knew suffering. But in Christ, those things don't define us. Those things don't steal our identity and our hope. And there is rest. There are times of refreshing in the gospel and what Christ has done. No difficulty, no suffering can ultimately define you anymore. See, it would be tempting for Paul to start to define himself by the fact that I'm the guy that gets in boat wrecks. I'm the guy that gets beaten unjustly in jail. Why might he do that? Because five times it happened, right? So he could start to sort of own that really essentially like, I'm the guy that gets a raw deal, I'm going to start to treat the people who capture me unjustly. I'm going to be in the house in Rome, and I'm just going to treat everybody like garbage. I'm going to be the worst prisoner ever. Why? Because I shouldn't be here. This is unjust. Is that what he does? Please say no. Paul, Paul is witnessing to the guards in house arrest in Rome. You guys have heard this before. Paul is, Paul is witnessing to the prisoners on the boat. Paul stands up on the boat and says, the boat is going to wreck. But we're not going to die today. We're not going to die. And the guards listened to him and they believed him. Maybe they believed him because he'd been through it four other times. Oh, so this boat's going down, right? It's going to happen again. And so um, Paul did not own those difficulties, those sufferings. What defined him was being in Christ. The glory of the gospel shines forth in a Christian's life, in your life, in my life, in the way that we respond to suffering and hardship. That's how Paul can say he's new. So it it actually commends, and it's an argument for the gospel that Paul has gone through all of those things with great endurance. So I just finished with that. After making our New Year's resolution to be reconcilers, to be in the ministry of reconciliation. I just offer that. If you don't feel that today, if you're like, man, I would like zero more things to do right now. I'm feeling a little rough. I understand that. And being in the middle of suffering and persevering through it commends the work of God in you. It is not the absence of God's work in you. Please don't believe any sort of light prosperity theology in our culture that says that the the evidence of God's blessing is no suffering in your life. I think Paul might smack you if you said that to him. Because that's not how God works. In fact, it's typically through hardship that God's doing his work in us and through us. And difficulty in new seasons of life. You know, when you're a parent, right? Like you're, you have newborn kids and some wonderful older person will say, well, you know, I know you haven't slept in three weeks. Just It gets a lot easier. Don't worry about it. It gets easier. And then, you know, you have a... You have a six-year-old who's running around in the grocery store and tipping over things, and some older person will come and say, hey, I just want you to know, it gets a lot easier than this. They get older. And then you have a 13-year-old who (laughs) won't look at you the same way anymore and thinks that you don't know anything, and someone will say, hey, you know what, 
they're going to get older, they're going to be able to drive themselves everywhere. You won't have to, to deal with this. And then they get their driver's license, and, and uh, you don't know where they are anymore. And uh, in all of those seasons, through all of those things, God is at work. And the solution is not, everything's going to get better soon. <laughs> it's not what God's doing. God is forming us through all those things so that he can say to us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I just want to speak that to you over you today. We're going to think about that together at our tables, what that looks like, what our, what our new status means to us, and maybe if there is a place we can step into in our communities with friends, step into as an ambassador of reconciliation. We're going to look at that uh, together for a few minutes. And so I wanted to be a little shorter today to give you more time to do that. But if you've had a rough 2022, just know you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I don't know what 2023 holds for any of us, but I know that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There it is again, our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we did make it through 2022. We're grateful to you for that. And Father, as we jump into a new year, we don't want to be overly um, pragmatic and optimistic about what that means. Um, it's, it's another day on the calendar, God, but it is a chance for us to just evaluate and reset a bit. And so we want to reset into uh, our newness, uh, our new creation status in you, and uh, seek to know what that means for us in our life, in our community. So God, would you help us to do that by your spirit? Would your spirit be among us as we talk now at our tables and even as we go and consider uh, what things we want to walk into this year? God, would your spirit guide us in those things? And Lord, for those who are suffering today, for those who are feeling spread thin today, uh, Father, I, I pray comfort for them, that you would comfort them. Lord, would you speak to them uh, that it's okay that we're busy. It's okay that we are spread too thin today. It's okay that we don't have bandwidth today. And uh, you want us to walk into new things, some of us, others of us, you want to comfort us where we are. Um, but would we just feel your grace and your acceptance of us through your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, to our tables. All right, I hope you, your discussions went well. That was such an excellent sermon. Thanks for bringing the word, Aaron, this morning. I appreciate you using your gift like that. Uh, one of the things that we do as a church is every time uh, we hear the word of God preached, we want to respond in worship. So one of the things we do to respond is, well, we just finished this time of discussion where we respond to what God is showing us through his word so that we can uh, uh, have those truths work deeper into our hearts. Another way that we respond is by the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And so when we give money to the church, it's an act of worship where we say, if Jesus has given us everything, we want to overflow with that, with being generous and giving of our finances. Uh, another thing that we can do to respond is we're going to take communion here in a little bit. And uh, one of the other ways that we respond is through prayer. Uh, I think this week with the uh, DeMar Hamlin stuff at the NFL, I can't remember 
any time outside of September 11th in my life where I heard so many people in our country talking about prayer. It was fascinating to watch, right? And one of the things that was interesting to see is how everyone talked about prayer. A lot of times the phrase that we heard is, we believe in prayer. Um, and they would just leave it like that as if like prayer is some like um, magical like genie in a lamp that you rub and then you get the wish that you're looking for. And so I loved the way that this Holy Spirit was working in our country this week through prayer. So many different examples of people going to God asking for him to move. But I think the thing I want to remind us this morning is we believe in Jesus. And belief in Jesus is what makes prayer powerful. It's the fact that he loved us enough to come to earth and die for us. And that's where when he has, has made us his own, he has drawn us to his side. And when we get to go to him in prayer and ask him for things like for healing for a young man who is playing football, those kinds of things, uh, we are confident he hears us because of his love for us. And so that's one other way that we want to respond this morning is, is through prayer. My wife Kelly and I will be in the back there. We would love to, to pray with you this morning. If there's anything you would like prayer for, uh, responding to the sermon you heard or anything else going on in your life, we do believe in prayer because we believe in Jesus. And we would love to lift you up before our, our God this morning. And so the, the other thing I mentioned we said we do every week is communion. So we serve open communion here. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have trusted him as your savior, we would invite you to one of these three tables in the next uh, two songs that we're going to do. Uh, grab the elements, go back to your table, uh, spend the time quietly, meditatively praying, uh, asking um, the, the truth of what you've heard in the sermon to sink into your heart. And I think this sermon is such an easy uh, pivot onto this idea of why we take communion, right? The idea of in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 where he says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God that's what happened on the cross is God took our sin and our failings and our rebellion he placed all the punishment that we deserved on Jesus because Jesus as the perfect son of God is the one who can atone for our sins and so what communion is is it's not something that we do every week. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us previously that makes us that new creation in Christ. And like Aaron said, uh, your status is not based on your efforts, but on God's gift. That's what makes it objective. And I love this, this objective reminder that says, no matter what kind of week I've had this week, I need to come to the table and be reminded of what Jesus has done for me and that my identity is not based on whether I had a good week or a bad week, whether I'm hitting all the, the objective, uh, the subjective goals that I have or not. It's Jesus has made me his own through his death and resurrection. Because of that, we get to worship him this morning. So I'm going to say a word of prayer. If you're able, would you join me in standing? And then we will uh, end this morning with a time of worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the way that you draw us to yourself, the way that you use your word to remind us that you have made us your own, that uh, you have given us this ministry of reconciliation because you first took this step. You moved towards us. You reconciled us to yourself through the atoning sacrifice of your son on the cross for our sins. And so as we come to you, God, this morning with the reminder of everything that Jesus has done for us, may this time of communion, may this time of worship, may it be uh, nourishing to our souls. May it point us to the fact that there is nothing left for us to accomplish because you have already paid it all on the cross. It, it is finished. Uh, and because it is finished by Jesus, we can live in the joy and the freedom that that brings. So may you be glorified in our, our presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.